Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 137. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, you guys, I am so excited to have Melissa Dinwiddie, Jamie Riddler, and Emily Wapnick on to talk about being a multi-passionate person. Now, if you're new here or you're not familiar with the term, multi-passionate people are those of us who are interested in everything. We have a wide range of skills and we sometimes have trouble narrowing down exactly what we want to do in our life or in our careers. We have multiple interests and multiple skills and we often match them up in new and interesting ways. What I love is this week we are here to talk about how you can put some structure and planning in place around all that creativity and all those amazing ideas that you have and so you can get them out of your head and out and into the world. Of course, this episode is also airing at the same time as the amazing multi-passionate must-haves bundle sale is going on. What's this, you ask? (laughs) It is a bundle sale of 17 different products, all curated by Emily Wapnick, and they are all brought together with the multi-passionate person in mind. So you've got some amazing products from past guests like Michelle Ward, Jennifer Lee, Emily Wapnick, Emily Ann Peterson, Corey Huff, and of course the guests that are on this week, Melissa Dinwiddie and Jamie Riddler. In addition, myself and Christy Tending, who is a longtime favorite of the show, we put together a course last year that's called Roots and Wings. It is all about finding balance and harmony in your life and getting rid of the overwhelm that you feel in order to find more peace in your inner landscape. So you'll get my project management mind and planning along with my coaching on this in this self-paced course. And then Christy comes in with each of the six modules and layers in these beautiful breathing techniques and meditations and just the self-care layer that is so amazing. And so you will get that in this bundle along with those other 16 products. And it's all for the low, low price of $97. That is it. It runs May 15th through May 17th of this year, 2018, in case you're listening later. And if you'd gone out and bought all these products on their own, you would have spent almost $1,600. But for these three days only, you can grab them all for $97. Now, to get your hands on that, go to the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com. This week, it'll be on the very front page. If you want to find the show notes, there's also links in that, jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash MPMH 2018. And that's how you can get your hands on this amazing bundle sale. And after Thursday, you guys, it's gone forever. So get your hands on it now. If you are new here, I want to say welcome, and I am so glad you're joining this week. Jumpstart Your Joy is a weekly podcast that comes out on Tuesdays. There are lots of multi-passionate people who have been here as guests. I just love the topics that we get to talk about. This week on the show, you're going to want to tune in and listen because this 
thing that we're talking about is how do you find that structure and space for all of those multi-passionate ideas that you have that are coming up in your world? You will hear the one organizational tip that Melissa, Emily, Jamie, and myself all agree we do. And there is just a lot of good takeaways, a lot of actionable takeaways for you in this episode. I know you're not going to want to miss it. If you like what you hear and you want to subscribe to Jumpstart Your Joy, I would love to have you as a listener. We're on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Player FM, all of the regular podcasting spots. Just search for Jumpstart Your Joy. And if you would please subscribe, I would I would really appreciate it. So without further ado, let's get on to this amazing roundtable discussion. You guys, welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. Today, I am so thrilled to have a roundtable of some multi-passionate people Welcome to Emily Wapnick, Jamie Riddler, and Melissa Dinwiddie. I am so excited you guys are here. Yay! Yay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, well, today we are here to celebrate the launch of the multi-passionate must-haves bundle, which goes live right this minute. It's out there. You can go get it May 15th through the 17th. We're here to talk about how do we address our lives as multi-passionate people. Emily Wapnick, would you like to explain what this what this multi-passionate thing is? For those who are not acquainted? Yeah. So basically, if you're multi-passionate, it means that you are interested and excited about many unrelated fields. Maybe you have a lot of different projects. Basically, you're you're a pretty curious person and you know you're you're not necessarily a specialist unless you happen to specialize in something that's very multifaceted, you know. So yeah, essentially it's someone who's curious about a lot of unrelated things. Yes. And I think we are all self-proclaimed multipods on this call. So if everyone would like to introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and your earliest sparks of joy, Emily, I'll let you go first. All right. Um, Yeah. So my name is Emily Wapnick, and I run a site called Putty Like. Uh, and it's a community for multi-passionates or or multi-potentialites, as I like to call them. I'm an author and a career coach and do various things. Earliest seeds of joy. Um, I just, you know, I think about like when I was a kid sitting at this round wooden table in my kitchen and like making things, whether that was like homemade Play-Doh or brownies or drawing pictures. So like kind of concoction and creativity at a young age. Mm, I love it. Jamie, would you like to go next? Yes, though I'm still reveling that concoction and creativity. Mm. (laughs) Uh, So I'm Jamie Riddler, and I'm the founder of Jamie Riddler Studios, which is an online hub for creative living. And I have classes and coaching and inspiration to help people find the courage and confidence to bring their creativity to life. And I've been doing that for quite a long time now. And it is my home online. It is my passion, my love, and uh, and that overarching space in which I can indulge in all sorts of different ways. I love being in creative in the world. And my earliest sparks of joy, really, my first love is dance. And I still remember physically, like in my body, the I was taking some theater classes when I was about 10. And I was like, yeah, they're okay. They're pretty good. I ended up studying theater, but at the time I was like, yeah, it's good. And then we had this movement coach come in and we did this performance and it was with a chair and we were all still until the spotlight hit us. And then we improvised our dance moves. And I was like, this, this forever, this. <laughs> and it, that was my earliest spark of joy. I love it. Um, <laughs> and Melissa. 
Wow, I didn't know that about you, Jamie. You and I have a lot in common there. Well, I'm Melissa Dinwiddie, and I run two businesses in an overlapping ecosystem. I run a creative consultancy, Creative Sandbox Solutions, which helps companies future-proof their people and their plans through the strategic use of play. So everything from team building, storytelling and communication training, innovation sessions, creative conflict management, and even stress testing strategy and strategic plans, all using play-based methodologies. And I run the Creative Sandbox Community, which is an online community that is a lab for women's leadership through creative expression. And I'm also the author of The Creative Sandbox Way, Your Path to a Full Color Life. And I'm host of the Creative Sandbox Way podcast. And uh, my earliest sparks of joy were animals. I loved cats. I have a memory of sitting on (laughs) my Siamese cat and tugging its ears and saying, giddy up. (laughs) (laughs) And drawing and singing. I used to make up operas about my yellow tabby cat when I was a kid and dancing, but again, you know, dancing around the house. So those are my earliest sparks of joy. Oh, I love all of them. And I think it's so fun because often when this question comes up, especially around the earliest sparks of joy, it's so cool when multi-potentialites answer it because there's always the and, you know, it's yes. always, there's so many things. Yeah. And I relate to the, we had tiny dogs, Italian greyhounds. We used to dress them up and like, yeah. Oh, those are good ones. And I used to like to draw books that like illustrated books that would be like the story, but then I would change the story of regular <laughs> tales. So much fun. Well, I would also love since this, we are celebrating multi-passionate must-haves bundle sales. We have more exciting questions and answers around how do you approach planning? I'm a project manager by day. So how do we do that as a multi-passionate? How do you keep those things wrangled and contained or not? That's what we'll get into. But let's talk about what each of us has in this bundle sale. Emily, do you want to set it up of, of like the offer so people understand what it is? And then we'll kind of explain what it is that we have um, in play if people want to purchase. Yeah, sure. Uh, So multi-passionate must-haves is a project that I first started in 2014 with Michelle Ward, the the one I grew up coach. Um, Michelle is involved this year as a contributor, but we didn't run the sale together this year because she's just super busy with other launches and great things. But, you know, she's given me her blessing. And uh, yeah, so basically, you know, we kind of got together and we were like, We have all of these amazing colleagues and friends who are multi-passionate and have great products. And what if we kind of curated this bundle where everyone contributed a product that we thought would be helpful for multi-passionates and we sold it at this crazy discount for 72 hours. This year, I I really wanted to pick people that focused on kind of the main challenges that those of us with many passions tend to face. So things like career and uh, and work and figuring out how to balance the need for variety with the need for uh, sustainability and stability and stuff like that. And then productivity, which I know we're going to talk about today. So like when you have many projects, how do you fit all those things into your life and how do you make progress 
and still have a lot of different things going on. And then, you know, stuff like like fear and self-doubt. So there are some products in the bundle that address that stuff as well. So yeah, that's the basic idea of multi-passionate must-haves. Your offering is intriguing because, uh-huh. of course, you wrote the amazing book, How to Be Everything, which I have had co-workers... Um, <laughs> Hi, Nicole. Come up to me and say, oh my gosh, I heard about Emily's book, you know, from your podcast and it is so awesome. I'm so excited to have found this. So I know you have an extra layer from that. Ah, thank you. Uh, Well, (laughs) yeah. So I wrote this book, How to Be Everything. It came out last year. Actually, the paperback just came out a couple weeks ago. And in it, I interviewed about 50 multi-potentialites who self-described as being both happy and financially comfortable. And I really wanted to understand like how they did that, how they structured their careers and their lives. And as I was doing these interviews, I kind of, you know, there were like a few that really stood out to me. And I returned to these people like a couple years later, it took me a few years to actually write the book. So two to three years later, and we did some follow-up interviews. And those are the interviews that I'm including in this bundle. So we kind of really dive into how their careers have evolved how they've structured things. I kind of go into these four different work models in the book. They work in very different fields. And yeah, so in in the bundle, in multi-passionate must-haves, you will get five interviews that I did with people who were in the book. And Melissa, your offering is? My offering is the Erase the Chaos Toolkit, which is a 99-page PDF guidebook combined with an 18-page companion workbook. And what the Erase the Chaos Toolkit will help you do is to hone in on the specific causes of your time crunch chaos and give you the tools that you need to clear your plate to make space for creative joy, which we all want. And inside the toolkit, you will discover the truth about your mile long to-do list. I know you have one. And you will discover three quick, quote unquote, erasers to create more white space today. And you will discover the truth that nobody tells you about time management. And I'll give you a little hint. It's a lie. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as time management. And you'll discover how to hone in on what's most important so you can let go of the rest. And you'll get the one tool that has the power to change everything in your life for the better and a lot more. And what I especially love about the toolkit is inside the workbook, which are the printables. There are five worksheets, which will help you clear the chaos Mm. and a printable, how to say no scripts to keep by your phone and your computer. So that the next time somebody asks you for something, you will have a little script there so that you'll be able to say no in a way that you can feel good about. So that's what's inside the Erase the the Chaos Toolkit. Awesome. I need that script. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all of us do. (laughs) Yes, we all do. And Jamie. Yeah, so my offering is Planning Day, which is a three-hour workshop that I offer once a year in my studio. And I had no idea it would become the most popular offering I have. And it really just started with my sister and I would meet once a year. And we would sit down and we would vision what we wanted for the next year. And then we would figure out how we were going to get it on the plan. And then we would start to schedule it. And Shannon, my sister, is like an Excel-loving 
organized, detailed person. And I'm a big picture, put it all in a brain mind map and I'm happy. And we found a way that worked for both of us. And people kept saying, how do you do it? How do you do it? And I was like, I don't know if I can make this work for everybody, but I totally offered it and designed it and made it so that it was enough form to give you the structure and support you needed to bring your ideas, your vision, your passion to life, but also enough freedom that you didn't feel strangled or reined in. Cause I know when I over, like I've tried so hard to do those plans where you get down to the nitty gritty and like, this is what I will be doing about this on Thursday morning at nine o'clock on January 17th. No, like I just <laughs> want to pull my hair out and cry. Mm-hmm. And, but I wanted enough that I felt like I felt supported to get forward and move things into life and action because I'm a strong believer in action and I'm a strong believer in getting things done because we have these beautiful things in our hearts and we want to see them in the world. And so this helps you do that. And it's a process that takes you through this creative moment of visioning visually and through words and then slowly but surely taking you sort of from that airy world of ideas into the concrete, earthy world of getting things done. And each we do it sort of slowly, we do it kind of gently, so that each step of the way, you can kind of get a little more comfortable and a little more comfortable till you're literally putting steps on your schedule at a level that feels right and good for you. You know, not micro and not too airy. And each of us needs to feel our way into that, what's too much, too tight and what's too loose. And I think that's a skill of discernment that we multi-potentialites really benefit from honing. Uh, And that's a part of what the practice is that we go through in planning day. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Well, and so my offering is actually a joint offering with Christy Tending, who is a self-care expert. And we came together to talk about harmony, finding harmony, kind of balancing out things. Well, I believe that work-life balance is kind of a myth as well. This is like looking at all the things that you want to do and finding a way to kind of schedule them out. And then Christy layers in this really beautiful way of looking at breathing, like she has some really amazing breathing exercises, which are like immediate, you can get back into your body and kind of access the somatic information that you might have going on around what you really want to do. And it's just, it was a really fun course to create and we're super excited. It's like, it's six modules and like 12 different audio tracks and a big workbook. So that's what you get from us. Well, so let's talk about kind of in a roundtable format. I'm happy to have this go wherever wherever it wanders. What I'm hearing a lot of in the things that we have created and the things that we intuitively know about being somebody that has so many interests that we want to bring into the world. Let's talk about that that dance that I think each of us was talking about. There's planning and structure and playing and exploring. Because I think society, school, whatever, will teach us one way, which is much more structured. But I know I even heard each of us saying something about how do we tap into play and how do we still at the same time get stuff done? Oh, this is Melissa. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So I am a definite rebel against structure in my head. Back when I was a dancer and I was a very serious dancer, I went to Juilliard the year that I turned 20 thinking that I was going to go on and become a professional dancer. And I got injured that year. So that ended up not being my career path. But back when I was a dancer, my days were extremely structured around dance classes. And then when I 
had to stop dancing, I completely rebelled against structure until, I don't know, you know, a number of years ago when I came, started little by little coming back to structure. And now I'm kind of in a place where I have this sort of uneasy relationship <laughs> to structure. I know in an, from an intellectual place that the kind of the more structure I, I have to my day, the more I ritualize my day, the more it allows me to, to create freely because, uh, and you know, I've read so much about this. Um, Jonathan Field's book, Uncertainty, talks about this a lot. That's a fabulous book for anybody who's listening. The more you can create structure around uh, around your day, when when you have to do something that has a lot of uncertainty around it, structure creates certainty so that when you're doing something that requires uncertainty, hello, creativity, you can completely let go. And I, and I definitely see that, but I still, re- I still really resist it. But I find that like I have a morning ritual and the days that I adhere to my morning ritual go better. Does that mean that I follow my morning ritual religiously? No, it does not. But I can tell you that when I do, things go better. I, this is that. Jamie. I also think that one of the things that happens is we have this idea of structure that looks very rigid. And so we don't recognize it when the structure we're living in is organic. So I, you know, I coach a lot of creatives. I've interviewed a lot of creatives. And a lot of time there's this stereotype about us being flakes, you know, or not able to adhere to a schedule or get things done. But sometimes what is actually happening is we're following a structure that our hearts or our body sets. And so we may be, yes, going for a long walk and looking like we're staring into space. And that's actually a necessary, important part of our process that's undervalued, you know, or we might have Mm -hmm. an instinct to walk away from the work. I get this all the time. Sometimes I'm working really hard and then I just, I hit this block and I decide I need to walk away from this for a minute. And that's what gives me the space to realize that I was headed in the wrong direction. Whereas if I kept pushing forward and staying on task, I would have done a lot more work that was the wrong work. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important to revalue, like reevaluate what we consider to be structure and be a little more open with what our personal organic structure may look like and accept that as reasonable and appropriate if it's working for us. Yeah, I agree with what both of you guys said. And I think that, you know, for me, I like, I also definitely rebel against too much structure. Um, But I found it helpful to like mix things up. So like, you know, I'll have these touchstones. So like every morning, you know, maybe not every morning because life happens, but like I try to have, you know, my morning ritual and then I get some work done. And then I leave some free space in the early afternoon where usually I'll go out for a hike or maybe, you know, walk down to the beach or um, sometimes I'll, I'll like talk with friends or something. And that is unstructured time and it's, you know, quote unquote free time. And then usually I'll get back into work and I'll do another hour or two. So I just, you know, I, I like to have a little bit of structure with some gaps for kind of that, that free time, um, whatever that looks like. I like that. Yeah. I find too kind of similar, Jamie, to what you brought up. I really love like 
I love a list, but then I also notice that like if I try and force things through my day, it doesn't feel right. It feels like I'm I'm fighting with myself just to get through a to-do list. And so sometimes I'll set up the list and then as the energy hits, I'll be like, yes, it seems like it's time. <laughs> and I'll move into that next thing when I know I have the energy and the desire to tackle it. So there's still a list, but it doesn't mean that it has to be done, which was so freeing that like I could let something else kind of be a guide. I do the same thing, Paula. Mm -hmm. And I often find myself, I'll have a list, I'll have what I intend to do, I plan to do today or in this period of time. And then I often find myself rebelling against that thing, or just there's something else that really is, I had no intention of doing during this period of time, but I'll just get a wild hair or just like the energy is, I have to do this thing right now. And I call that productive procrastination. I've like designed entire websites <laughs> over the course of a, you know, a day or two days or something that I had no intention of doing, but for whatever reason, like the energy was just there, like strike while the iron is hot. And I've learned that things will get done when they have to get done in my life. And I just learned to trust that and that things will always get done in the end. And that's just part of how I work. But that's something that I've just learned about harmony and structure and creativity in my own life is rather than beating myself up for not following the like, getting things done process that you know, you're supposed to do. No, this is how I work. And maybe it's not the right way or the best way. But it's, it's the way that it works for me. Mm, I'm so glad that I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it does. It comes in fits and spurts. And I think we, we get into that space where we think there is a right and wrong way. and But yet we don't allow ourselves the freedom to just follow what needs to be done so often. Because I'll look at a list, like I do the list and then sometimes I put it aside. I don't even think about it. And then I come back three days later and without even meaning to, I've done the whole list. You know, like it's right. yeah. like it's, yeah, it's the intentions out there. Just let it happen. One of the things that contributes to my time crunch chaos is having this mile long to-do list always in front of my eyes. And then I feel this sense of like, oh my God, there's so many things. There's so many things. I'm never going to get them done. Ah. And what I find really helpful is having just like one or two things in front of me. So that mile long to-do list, it exists, but it's not in front of my face all the time. Mm -hmm. So I've got like a post-it note or my planner is propped up in front of me on my desk. And at the top of today's column are the two things that I want to accomplish today. And that's actually what I'm looking at. What's in my visual field is like two or three things or one or two things or whatever, rather than this mile long, just overwhelming, just clutter, right? So what I'm actually seeing is one or two things, maybe three. Now, again. I do that absolutely too, Melissa. This is Jamie. I just, I do it on an index card and I do that yeah. every day. It's so much more manageable. And I give myself the gift of if I do more than that, I add it to that card. <laughs> so I can actually also celebrate that I did, that I did do even more, but it, I find that absolutely, I agree. That helps a great deal. Yeah, I do that too. I just, you know, lowering your expectations for yourself, like to like one or two things feels so good. It's so easy to just like have this very long list and to just never feel like you can catch up or like just always beat yourself up for not being productive enough. So yeah, I'm a total fan of narrowing it down to one or two things. And I'm nodding as well. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that I do it. I 
another friend taught me, you know, fold it eight and a half by 11 and a half and write the top three things you have to do today on that and let the rest of the list sit somewhere else where you just can't see it. It's there, just like you said, or we've all said, it's like, but you're not freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> freaking out does not contribute to the productivity. It doesn't. <laughs> no, I, I have a saying, well, many sayings, but one, one of my many sayings is the thing I do first is the thing that gets done. So usually the thing that I, that I want most to get done today that is easiest to put off is my creative thing. It can also be like my exercise thing or meditation or whatever. There's a lot of things that I really would like to get done, but they're like the important but not urgent, right? The thing I do first is the thing that gets done. So if I want to make sure it gets done, I want to do it first thing. And so that's why I have a, a doodling in bed practice. I sit up in my bed and I doodle for a couple minutes. And it used to be my goal was 15 minutes a day. Now it's just any amount counts, which is something I got from a friend and former client of mine, Laureen Marshand. I call her, I call it the law of Laureen. But I have a goal, like my my public official goal might be something like 15 minutes or two minutes or any amount counts. But I might also have a secret goal that's like, an optional. I'd really love it. Maybe it's maybe my goal, my official goal is any amount counts or two minutes. But my like secret goal might be I'd really be super, super delighted if I spent a half an hour on this. Any amount really does count. So if I make one mark, or maybe it's two minutes or whatever my ridiculously achievable, stupidly small goal is, I get to check it off that I've succeeded if I hit that goal. But if I get on a roll, and as we all know, the hardest thing is just starting, right? If I get on a roll and I keep going and I'm like, oh my God, look at that. I, I did a half an hour. Then I get to doubly celebrate because I've also hit my secret goal. So I often have those sort of dual goals running in, in the background. That's brilliant. Yeah. Because then you hit the multiplier of whatever the celebration is. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it sets you up for success and the pressure's off. It's like... Exactly. Yeah, that's brilliant. I want to underline and like highlight and put on a poster. Like and the hardest thing is often just to start because like we get so hung up. How do you just, how do you get in the mindset to start? Well, one of the things I, Jamie, this is Jamie. One of the things I do to start is I will at a separate time set up the thing I want to do. So let's say I wanted to paint and I, I was having a hard time coming to it. Well, you know, I just would walk by my kitchen table and I put out my canvas and then I'd next time I was making tea, I'd put out the brushes and then next time. And so I'd slowly but surely just put it together like I was setting the table. And then when I one day I would just sit down and do it because it was all ready for me, you know, or the night before I'll set up something. So it's easy for, I try to make the ramp on as easy as possible. And sometimes separating it from the act I'm avoiding helps because then it's just a practical task, like setting the table or making the bed. And then it's all set for me to go. Um, I find that sometimes if I'm really having a hard time getting started, I'm feeling a lot of resistance. I find a timer really helpful. 
and you can, you know, you can get fancy with this. You can do the Pomodoro technique and, and all that stuff. But sometimes just setting a timer for like five minutes and just being like, okay, like just go nuts for five minutes. And when the timer goes off, you can stop if you want. And usually what'll happen is like, I'll, I'll be going really quickly and then like, I'll get into it and I'll like get into the zone and then the timer goes off and I just want to keep going. So yeah. it's super simple, but like, yeah, just a timer can really help. Well, I have 10 guideposts in my creative sandbox way. And number five is probably the one that I turn to the most frequently, which is just start anywhere. And because that really is the hardest part. And my one of my other guideposts, number four, is think tiny and daily. And even more than the daily part is the tiny part. Because if it's not ridiculously achievable, stupidly small, then it is, it feels like you're standing underneath a pole vaulting bar 20 feet above you, right? And it feels like you have to jump over that bar without a running start and without a pole. It feels completely impossible. But if you make it just so ridiculously achievable, 15 minutes, five minutes, two minutes, any amount counts, then it lowers that bar all the way down to the ground and you can just boop hop right over it without thinking. And so I that's what I do. I just make my goal just so ridiculously achievable and just tell myself, all right, just start, just make it crappy. Nothing helps more than just telling myself, make it crappy and just start. Yeah. Yeah. And Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott with it, with the, which also gets into Liz Gilbert's book, but like the shitty first draft. Yep. <laughs> I often will sit down as I'm starting to write something and be like, okay, here it comes. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there because yep. otherwise I'll stare at the blank screen and not put anything down. And then I'm like, just whatever, just the crap comes out and we'll get through this first paragraph and then bam. Yeah. Exactly. That is all such good usable feedback because I know creative people, I, I mean, I work in, in marketing by day and I mean, they even tell me like, that's where you get stuck is that start is so hard because it's the pressure's on or something. The pressure is on. One of the things that I have found interesting kind of once you know that being a multi-passionate, multi-potentialite, multi-pod, whatever, we use all these words, renaissance soul. Once we know that's a thing, I feel like it's so freeing for people that have maybe had a struggle internally, like with how they approach either the creative process or I know for me, one of the big things was, why do I start all this stuff? And then I get through maybe a little bit of it. And then I'm like, I'm done. I don't need anything else here. Um, but it feels like there's aha moments that come up when we now know that this is, this is a thing and it's, it's a way some people approach the world. What were some of your aha moments as you started to realize that that multi-potentialite-ism is a thing? Well, for me, you know, both, again, it's Jamie, and I see it in my clients, and then for me too, in my clients, the relief mm. is massive. That sudden knowing there's nothing wrong with you. There is nothing here that needs to be fixed. This is awesome. And then I think it helps too, because I sincerely not only do but I believe that, I live that because I, I think what happened for me was I love so many different things. I mean, I have studied theater. I have studied dance. I have studied visual arts. I have done writing. And what I found was over time as I got older and 
uh, as my career advanced, they all came together in ways I could not have seen in the beginning. And if I had chosen one to focus on and not the other, I would not have been able to experience this beautiful mosaic and, and different ways of transmitting the work that I'm here to do. So now, you know, if I, I do a podcast, I'm talking to people and I'm, I'm on YouTube making my morning videos, I'm performing and I'm creating classes and I'm teaching and I'm doing art. And, and I have that all to offer because I refuse to give any of that up. And all I have suddenly this massive set of tools in my toolkit to build that house. And I I think part of the key is you do not have to know how it is all coming together. There is nothing wrong. And also that by its very nature, because this show, I know a lot of my clients go, but I don't get it. How could these things ever fit together? I'm like, they already do fit together because they're together in you. So there is no need to figure that out or to justify it because the truth is here you are, you beautiful soul, and you love math and you love baking cakes. Phenomenal. That is the gift of you. You get both of those pieces and it makes you richer and the world richer when you show up to both or all 17 or 509. It's so true. You you don't connect the dots until later. I feel absolutely the same way. And, you know, I had a really big aha moment when I read Barbara Sher's book, Mm. uh, Refuse to Choose. Mm -hmm. Early in that book, close to the beginning of it, maybe even in the introduction, she talks about the metaphor of a, a honeybee and how a honeybee goes to a flower and it picks up a bunch of pollen and then it flies to another flower and it picks up more pollen and then it flies to another flower. And it just keeps flying from flower to flower. And nobody looks at that honeybee and says, Oh, my God, what a flake. Right, it goes to each flower, and it gets exactly what it needs from that flower. And when it's gotten what it needed from that particular flower, it flies to the next flower, and then it gets exactly what it needs from that flower, and it flies to the next flower. And when we as multipods, or I like to call us passion pluralites, when we get what we need from whatever interest or passion, then we stop doing that for whatever time period, maybe forever, and we move on to something else. And it's not because we're flakes. It's because we got what we needed from it. That was incredibly liberating for me Mm -hmm. to realize like, oh, I'm not a flake. (laughs) I just have gotten what I needed. One of my friends said to me once something that stuck with me forever, which is that no effort is wasted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you've done, whatever you've created, whatever you've learned, even though you've left it, you haven't left it. There's it's left an impression on you. It's something it's become a part of your soul, your history, your view of the world. You don't have to keep eating the same apple to get the nutrition. You've got it, you know, and it is a part of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, how I I end up applying these skills and this knowledge in in like totally new ways, ways that I couldn't have imagined. Because like you guys, I mean, I've found 
different ways to integrate my film knowledge and my legal background and my musical background into my business and into what I'm doing now and into my life. And it just feels really rewarding. And and yeah, I don't need to just devote my entire life to one of those things, I would really miss out on how they come together and on, you know, this, this integration, which I find really, um, really valuable and uh, really fun. Yeah, I, I, I love seeing how things feel like they come full circle. Like I used to be a professional calligrapher. And I have no desire to be a professional calligrapher anymore. But now I recently started this consultancy. And I'm learning the skills, the tools of bringing graphic facilitation into the consultancy work that I do into the, the facilitate the group facilitation that I do. And it's so cool to be able to bring the calligraphy skills into that realm. And it's very exciting to me that I have this, you know, this 20 years of calligraphy that mm-hmm. I'm now being able to apply into this completely new world. And it's this new learning curve. That's what's exciting to me. I don't know about you guys, but I love <laughs> climbing new learning curves. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. Back when I was a professional calligrapher, it was all like writing, mostly writing pretty small at a table. And now I'm, you know, at flip charts and big sheets of paper using, you know, big felt markers, completely different tools from what I was using before. But I have an understanding of letter forms that I get to apply. And I'm like learning to draw in new ways that I never did before. It's, it's so exciting to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I and I do. I love how each thing kind of grows on. And I mean, the hindsight, obviously, you can see like the daisy chain and how it, it brings you to where you are now, and how much you love all those things and where they're feeding in. Like, I can see that, you know, a background in coaching and improv makes for an interesting combo for a, you know, a podcast host. Like <laughs> those are all really good training for that. And who knows what the podcasting will build into as well. But yeah, it's, it's the, the freedom of like not feeling like there has to be, a, well, one, that one thing has to be the forever thing, but also that it's okay to stop when you're done. <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah. that's just permission granted. I think there's this misconception that multi-potentialites lose interest in something because it's gotten too hard or something. And I find that it's usually the opposite. Usually something has become too easy and it's not challenging anymore. Kind of what, what you were saying, Melissa. And I've definitely found this for myself. Like I like doing hard things, you know, I mean, not just because they're hard, but like something that I'm interested in that's also challenging. Like that really, I like that. That's exactly like, that's where the juice is for me. Mm-hmm. I get bored with things if they, if they're not hard, <laughs> which is kind of, in some ways, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> I like achieving a level of mastery. But, you know, it's kind of frustrating to always be at the beginning of a learning curve. And at the same time, like, that's kind of where the juice is. <laughs> so, I'm always seeking this level of mastery which means that I'm always kind of at the beginning of a learning curve in some ways. I'm also a big fan of small projects. I mean, I occasionally have a big project, which I break up into smaller projects, but instead of focusing on like acquiring skills, often I'll be like, oh, there's a pro like I want to make a short film or write a script or launch a product. And then I can just focus on the project and gain those skills as I'm doing it. And then there's like this natural endpoint, and I can be like, okay, 
do I want to do that again? Do I want to do something else? But at least I finished this little project. Um, But of course, like we were saying, not finishing a project is okay too, if you kind of got what you needed out of it. (laughs) I am totally nodding my head madly at both things that, you know, absolutely, it has to be hard once it's got too easy, I'm out of there. Like, I'll take a little bit to enjoy. Oh, this is such a pleasure to do this with ease. Okay, done. And then also, Emily, what you were just talking about, you know, creating things sort of in a project based methodology so that you can try it, explore it. And also, so you're not learning the skill for the sake of the skill, you're using it to do something. And it gives you this, for me, it gives me a sense of motivation to get through the yucky stuff or the hard stuff. You know, I I don't love wrestling with technology. I don't. But when I was doing a podcast or learning how to make videos, wanting to do that made it absolutely worth my while to get in there and wrangle that tech. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I've learned every time. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. 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 And that's what carried me through. I mean, as the podcast is such a great example, like the part that threw me was like, okay, so it goes, uh, we don't need to dive in too much, but like it goes out to the host and then how does it get to iTunes? And I was like, deer in the headlights. (laughs) But if I hadn't been creatively like passionate about getting it out there, then who knows where that would have stopped. But yeah. I feel like a really huge question and one of the ones that like still sometimes will get me. There's so many ideas in my head, but like sometimes I'll just have a total brainstorm out of nowhere of like 12 million things that I want to do based on all this great experience (laughs) that I've amassed. And I don't know, but I've found that sometimes can be stressful from a couple of angles. One, there's, I feel like I put pressure on myself because I want to start tackling them. The other pressure is how do I not lose all these great ideas? Cause then my brain gets scared about that. So I guess the first question is, do you guys have the same problem? And two, what do you do? Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> and I used to not only stress about it, it used to give me like this existential angst that my life was going to end, you know? So I was scared that there wasn't enough life, you know, in order for me to do all these things I wanted to do. And it would make me fret and push and drive until I was exhausted. And something happened. I mean, it was just a shift in perspective that really makes me feel so different about this and actually has me feeling a a sense of sacredness around it, which is I really got that there are meant to be more ideas than we can ever do in a lifetime because life is far too rich to be experienced just in the however many years we have. And that that is proof of how good and beautiful and exciting and magical and abundant the world is. So instead of being like, I can't do it all, I think, how lucky am I that I live in a time and a world when I have at my fingertips more than I could possibly imagine wanting to do in my life? What a gift. Mm. Yes. Thank you. Mm, That helps me immensely. (laughs) Good. It's really, it's literally changed my life. It's literally Mm. changed my life. I love that perspective. I don't know that I had that um, rich of a perspective, but I've certainly had uh, this same kind of thoughts as you, Paula. And I think 
I've just been able to sort of relax about it and just mm-hmm. sort of, I don't know, let it go and just think, yeah, it's okay that I'm not going to be able to get to all those ideas. Neither did Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci had overflowing notebooks of ideas and he only created, you know, actually created a fraction, a teeny tiny fraction of the ideas in his notebooks. If that was the case for Leonardo, then it's really okay that I'm not going to create all the ideas in my head. <laughs> yeah, mm, that's a nice, I like that too. And it's interesting because what I've found that like just really practically what helps me is when I hit that, I'm like, I, I literally have a single notebook. I could go get it right this second where I just madly write it all. Some of it's a doodle, some of it's a write, like whatever the thing is, I just get it out of my head because then the what if I forget it thing goes away for sure. And then it's got some sort of expression to it already. So yeah. and sometimes I go back and I like leaf through it. I'm like, oh yeah, that was good. And I'll pull it back out or whatever. But it's a way to just catalog it so I can go to sleep or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Emily, did you have any thoughts on that one too? Well, you know, I, I think that where a lot of multi-potentialites get stuck sometimes is feeling paralyzed because there are all these things that they want to do and feeling like, okay, if I pursue one of these, then I'm not going to be able to do the others. So I'm just not going to pursue any of them. Like, and that might be a subconscious thing, but I see that a lot. And I think that if you can realize that, like, you're not going to be able to do everything under the sun, um, but also like, you'll be able to do like a good number of different things over the course of your life. Like, you know, it's not like either you just do one thing or you some you do everything which is impossible like there's a middle ground there and that's where multi-potentialites tend to live and play and yeah you know pursue one thing you'll be able to pursue the others and just just getting comfortable with with this idea that you can have you can, you can have this plurality within yourself and it's totally possible to to do several things and then yeah i i also have you know kind of this long list of ideas and projects and then i have another list of just a couple priority projects. And occasionally I'll grab something from my long list and bring it into my priority projects. And usually when I've kind of reached the end point in one of, in one of my priority projects and kind of reevaluate things. And I sort of try and keep things separate. Like these are my active projects and it's a short list and these are all the other things. And, you know, I may or may not get to them at some point. I have a lot of heart for the fact that we just mindset and kind of the coaching angle of that. And then there's also some really practical things that just came out of that. Cause I think it's so hard when you get stuck up in your head up there and you can't sift through all the things like it's helpful to have both. So I'm so glad we just covered such a territory on it. You guys, thank you so much um, for joining today. I would love if each of you would just let us know if somebody wants to reach out or find you, where can they find you online? Uh, yeah. So to reach me, you can you can just head over to puttylike.com. That's P-U-T-T-Y-L-I-K-E. Um, and we've got lots of resources and blog posts for multi-potentialites. That's kind of the main thing we talk about there. Um, and of course, I'm sure we'll get to this, but if you're interested in multi-passionate must-haves, it's just multi-passionate-must-haves.com. And Jamie, where can people find you? And you can find me at openthedoor.ca. And there are a lot of creative resources for your creative heart. 
And Melissa. You can find me at melissadinwitty.com. And if that's hard to spell, you can also get there by going to livingacreativelife.com. Awesome. So last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you guys can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, and in other people's lives? And Emily, I know you've gone before, so I don't know. Melissa or Jamie, if you want to go first. Um, Sure, I'll go. Uh, Three things that I would say to jumpstart joy. One, and Melissa and I both talked about it today, please dance. You know, turn on a song that makes you crazy with joy and just let your body move. Don't wait for an occasion. The occasion is now. You are allowed to. I fully give you permission to remember that you are a dancer. Uh, um, photograph joy. Spend, let, take your take camera around and everything that makes you smile, everything that warms your heart, take a picture and it, let it open your eyes to moments of joy all around you and also be a reminder of the joy you had in that day. I, and other, the other is to eat without distraction, eat slowly, eat something you love with savoring every morsel. For me, it's raspberries and I will never get tired of sitting with a bowl and feeling that sunshine on my tongue as I eat them. So those would be my three. Mm-hmm. I love that sunshine on your tongue. That's so good. <laughs> I'll go next. This is Melissa. So since Jamie already said dancing, I'm going to start with doodling. Mm-hmm. I have a doodle practice that I've been doing mm, most mornings that has been really life-changing. It's really a spiritual practice, I realize. And it is totally improvisational. I grab a pen. I grab a piece of paper. It could be the back of an envelope. It can be a journal. I've been doodling on postcards lately. That is a really fun thing to send to people. And I don't start with any preconceived notions whatsoever. I just let my pen go where it wants to go. And it is an incredibly joyful practice. Uh, Yeah, that just doodle. (laughs) It's really incredible. And if you doodle for every day for a few minutes over the course of a week, pay attention to what happens in your world. And I would be interested if you do take that on to contact me and let me know how that goes for you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to practice gratitude and literally write down what you are grateful for in your life. One thing, three things every day, and you will start to notice a shift if you really take that on as a practice. And the third thing is to practice generosity. Love it. That's awesome. Emily? Yeah. Um, so we already covered dancing and doodling. I would add singing to that. Uh, not everyone is into this, but I'm a huge fan of karaoke. But what you can do, you know, a lot of people are intimidated, but what you can do is you can just go to YouTube, type in your favorite song plus karaoke, and it'll probably turn up and just go for it like at home alone in your kitchen in the morning. I I do this sometimes like if I'm in a low mood and I really want to pick me up like and it's so much fun to just like sing karaoke by yourself at home around the house. So that's a really easy one for me in terms of jump starting my joy. I will also add 
swimming in natural bodies of water. Not everyone can do this all the time. Um, I'm lucky that I live on an island. But yeah, like if you can get out to a lake or the ocean, I, I don't know. For me, it just like renews me and I just feel so good when I'm swimming in natural bodies of water. Okay, so this is a real, real simple one, but I've just started drinking coffee again after about four years. And I'm, I'm just like really loving like the ritual of it. I don't drink very much coffee. I just have one cup in the morning, but I've like got my AeroPress and I, you know, I boil the water and I warm the cup and I ground the beans and there's something really, really nice about it. And then I feel really good. So that might not be coffee for you, but whatever that, that thing is, maybe it's tea, maybe it's some other treat of some sort, but um, yeah. I don't always do it, but I feel called to share. <laughs> I never answer this question, but like, okay, snuggle a puppy because I have one and we've, there's been dogs involved today and make up a song. I was making up a song before we started, which was kind of funny, which I don't make really even remember. Make up a song to your puppy. <laughs> yeah, he loves About it. your puppy. We do that. My wife and I do that like daily. We're always making up songs about our dogs. Emily, <laughs> you have to look up the song Snuggle Puppy. It's I'm going to send it. It's in the show notes, guys. (laughs) And then what? Um, Wear something sparkly every day. I wear sparkle shoes almost every day. So there you go. You guys, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being on. This is just a treat. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to be here. And everybody listening, go out, get your multi-passionate must-have bundle. Emily, what's the URL one more time? It's multipassionatemusthaves.com. It's spelled exactly the way it sounds. There's no hyphens or anything in the URL. Yes. And it's $97 for a bunch of goodness. Go get it. And thank you guys so much for being on today. Thank you. Thanks, Paula. Thank you. You guys, thank you so much for being on the show this week. What a treat to get to speak to all three of you (laughs) and to really just talk shop with other multipassionates. It was so much fun. Thank you. I know you guys want to go pick up the Multipassionates Must Have Bundle. Remember, $97. It's running from May 15 through 17 only. If you ran out and got all these 17 products on your own, you would pay $1,600. So go pick it up at such a steal of a deal this week. Uh, You can find the information on that at jumpstartyourjoy.com. It'll be on the homepage this week. You can also find the show notes for this episode if there's some other things that you had questions about. Jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash MPMH2018. Next week on the show, I am really thrilled to have Carrie Powers, musician, singer, songwriter, with a brand new CD out. She is joining me next week to talk about her journey of singing and songwriting and all about the inspiration that she finds to write these really beautiful and meaningful songs. She can literally see little vignettes and scenes in her head, and then she writes the music that goes with them. I mean, it's a a fascinating discussion about the creative mind and how she has followed this passion of hers. I really hope that you will come back and we're going to play some of her music as well, which is so exciting. So come back next week for that interview and that music. And until then, Go buy the multi-passionate must-haves bundle and (laughs) I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.